0: Hello, and welcome to episode 166 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I'm Anthony Malakian, Editor-in-Chief of Waters Technology. And today, uh, our special guest is Brian Lichtenberger, CEO and co-founder of 7Park Data. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Anthony, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. So today, we're going to have a discussion about the alternative data space. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, 7Park and what they do in the space. And then we're going to talk more broadly about some of the challenges, some of the issues that firms face as they're trying to incorporate these new and varied data sets into their investment processes. Um, I think, though, the the best way to get uh, this discussion started is, why don't you tell us, our readers, about Seven Park's data offering, uh, just so people kind of know where you guys are coming from.
1: Sure. Um, So, you know, Seven Park is a, a data and technology company. Um, We do one thing that we um, really well that we monetize in two different ways. So we have created a technology platform uh, over the last six plus years that ingests lots of different kinds of data, um, non-traditional data assets, generally speaking, that our our platform um, contextualizes, structures, cleanses. Ultimately, we take everything from structured to semi-structured to fully structured data and make it useful Mm -hmm. um and ultimately we we commercialize that capability and those capabilities in in one of two ways Um, we either go source data that we plug into that to our platform and ultimately we we take um once it's once it's cleansed and structured and and ready to be analyzed we create analytical applications on top and then we build products that we uh, license on a subscription basis to to decision makers, it mm-hmm. could be could be an investor, an investment firm, it could be a, a company. Um, the other way we commercialize the platform is uh, we enable data owners to use it as a service. And so, you know, um, think think banks, payments businesses, insurance companies. Uh, we help them accelerate their in, uh, data initiatives. That could be digital or innovation, you know, type strategic data initiatives by enabling our platform in a services model. Mm-hmm. And so you can think about that model as, you know, we're taking our platform and, and offering it almost like an AWS type model, um, how that relates to Amazon's e-commerce business, you know, s- similar type of, sure. uh, of an analogy.
0: Sure. And anybody who's familiar with the investment sphere around uh, fintechs and software as a service companies um, knows Vista, private equity company, In December, uh, they took a majority stake, correct, in uh, the company, acquired a majority stake in the company. Tell us a little bit about what that is about, why that kind of came about.
1: Sure, so Vista Equity Partners, a uh, $50 billion, just saw the $50 billion in assets, private equity firm. They're the preeminent investor in software, SaaS, technology companies. Um, And yeah, they acquired the business in December of last year, so we're a Vista portfolio company and it's an exciting opportunity for, for our company, exciting opportunity for clients. You know, ultimately the, the thesis um, that, that both Vista and Seven Park shared was that data and analytics are transforming really every company in every industry. And so, you know, Vista has a specific thesis on how that impacts their portfolio companies. Um, again, software, SaaS, other types of technology companies, that are generating a tremendous amount of information and the potential to harness that, either by you know by leveraging you know machine learning, AI capabilities to ultimately you know um, build new products or or deliver unique insight, um, or to commercialize that data. Um, there is a significant opportunity there that you know Seven Park is, um, in part was acquired to help unlock the value of those data assets. Sure. And so it's really unique. Um, you know, I think a mix of a strategic and financial ra- rationale for the deal. You know, for us, um, you know, we had um, lots of opportunities with the business. And, you know, at the time, you know, really look, we, we found what we think is a great partner in Vista to realize the fullest vision of what Seven Park can be. And, and you know, with their network, with the resources that they can bring to bear, um, you know, really excited about the future of, of the business, and you know, we've got a fantastic partner to help us realize, you know, realize that vision.
0: No, oh, yeah, I remember uh, we spoke about a year ago for a feature that we did on the alternative space, a very deep dive feature. That's right. And I remember you saying, you know, there's going to be consolidation in space. There's going to be acquisition in space, and we've seen a lot of that over the year. And we'll get to that in just a little bit about kind of the broader market trends that we're kind of seeing here. Sure. But to start off with maybe, so we've had a bunch of data scientists on, but a bunch of portfolio managers that have been on the podcast here tell us their stories about trying to incorporate alternative data sets. From your perspective, um, what are the greatest challenges that the end user clients, the banks, the hedge funds, I guess, and, and for you guys, it's kind of two separate kind of challenges there, I guess. But maybe walk through some of the challenges that you see and maybe where they Tend to go wrong, or where things can go astray?
1: Sure. So, you know, first, I think there's, you know, executing a data initiative just generally. Whether you're, you know, forget whatever the use case is. Ultimately, one of the biggest challenges that we see is that that data for the in many cases is not in the format that is ready to be, you know, for for whatever the downstream use case is. If the use case is some type of a business decision. Um, or the use case is, you know, really just making data available and useful. Um, so what are a couple of examples of that? You know, if I've got PDFs and I'm a bank, I've got documents, and I'm trying to get access to information that's locked in a PDF, you know, that, that I have that data, it's available to me, I can't use it. It's not accessible. Um, you know, similarly, I think if you're, you know, you're an investment firm and you're looking for you know, some, some type of data to complement or round out your view of how some segment of a, of a, you know, in which you invest is performing, um, you know, maybe it's a panel and maybe that panel isn't, you know, maybe it's the demographics are changing over time. It needs to be normalized or Mm -hmm. maybe it's unstructured information. And so one of the, the the real significant challenges is really just taking raw information and getting into a format that's ready. We call it decision ready. And Mm so, that's fundamentally what our what we've the platform we've created. It does it ingests this raw uns- in some cases unstructured messy information, and we ultimately apply um, you know data science ML informed models and algorithms to make it useful, get it into what we call a decision ready format. From there, then it's ready to be plugged into you know some downstream use case. You know when you when you get into the investor centric set of use cases. You, know, you start to get into the um, you know some of the challenges that others have had with respect to leveraging you know different types of data inputs which are you know it's going it's and again I think we view the use case of our products as an input mm. which fits best within a broader decision making process and that's going to include you know if you're for a, a sophisticated investment firm still going to include sell side research it's still going to include Things like channel checks. It's still going to include expert calls. It's going to include, you know, management conversations and reading, you know, 10 Qs and things. And so there's still a place for all those things. You know, when we started the business, we just felt like what was missing is more of an empirical set of data inputs to help complement all those all those other inputs. Now, you know, these things aren't perfect, right? And so um, you know, understanding the cadence, understanding potential reasons why these inputs could be skewed or um, understanding how to, how to weight that within a broader set of inputs, I think can be the challenge. And I think, you know, uh, that said, I think when, when this is done right, um, it can be an incredibly powerful, you know, uh, way to help inform a decision. And I think one of the, the less well understood benefits is the, the, the economies of scale and the operational efficiency that b- can be gained by really essentially offloading some of the, the more manual intensive tasks and freeing up your team of analysts and researchers to go work on other things that can add additional value. And yeah. I think, you know, those two things are, you know, those those sit at the real the the, the real power of what, you know, um, you know, alternative data and and data driven decision making can really offer. And and
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but it would seem that in the alternative data space, and let's I guess maybe for a second here focus a little more on the buy side, I guess. But you know we can we can kind go in any direction. But sure, it would seem to me that the front office tends to drive the acquisition decision making, the licensing decision making, those kind of conversations about what kind of alternative data sets we want to take in, how we want to incorporate the strategy. Um, it's the alpha generation conversation. Sure. Um, Something I, I know that you've talked about in the past is that you believe that firms need to think about alternative data beyond just that immediate ROI of alpha generation to the risk management, to the compliance, to the other areas of the business that they're they're maybe just trying to look too much immediate front office, you know, trading uh, yeah. analytics kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's one of the things we talk about when we, the, the vendor, the, our peer set on the vendor side you know, there's a, there's a conversation that seems to be really alpha-centric, and it's not that that's a bad place to, but, you know, we, we tend to not focus so much on on the alpha focus, not because we don't think that's, we're not helping, in, you know, realize that outcome, but ultimately because, look, at the end of the day, what we view, what we do is creating, you know, critical, real-time inputs that can help power a broader decision you know, that decision still rests with with our clients, still rests with it. And, and, you know, ultimately how how they're going to differentiate is how they're using that input within a broader set of inputs to to make a better decision. That could be valuing a business or buying something or selling something or, or whatever it is that they do. And, you know, we, we don't, we like to focus on a broader set of use cases. You know, risk management is a great one. Um, you know, if I'm um, invested in you know um, some some segment of retail, and I want to know if if things are you know if my thesis is playing out one way or the other, if some type of data can help me understand if that's happening or not, that can be incredibly powerful. That doesn't mean I'm going to generate alpha from it per se, but it doesn't mean it's not critically useful to my decision making process. Gotcha. And so, and you know, I think again highlighting the the operational efficiency that's available. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen a lot of funds, um, r- you know, in some cases they're investing in data science and engineering infrastructure that's giving them tremendous scale. Maybe they're looking at a broader set of companies kind of day to day, week to week. Yeah. Maybe they're, you know, they're, they're more, they're, they're better empowering their investment professionals to make decisions and better decisions to make them faster. And again, I think it's, it's, it highlights another set of use cases that's just kind of outside of directly trying to tie this input to alpha
0: yeah and so all right so the, a, a big thing that we keep on hearing with uh just various players in the market is this idea of we want to be able to tap into this and find value whether on alpha whether we're Spanish whether on sure. others. but It's challenging because this market is vast. It's growing rapidly. There's a lot of options out there and it's tough to figure out. So we were talking with uh, somebody from Investec Asset Management recently, and they said um, the key is to fail fast. Like bring it in, figure it out, but you can't linger on this. From your perspective, when, when new clients are coming in, how are they kind of trialing this data that you offer? And do you have any kind of suggestions for how firms should be at the first stage, uh, experimenting and using this uh, this data?
1: Yeah, I think it is a challenge. And frankly, it's a challenge that we've had. You know, we, we, we've looked at hundreds of data sets. And so in some respects, when you think about some of the more sophisticated investment firms in terms of their sourcing process, you know, ours isn't dissimilar. You know, so we're out where we have folks approaching us and saying, hey, we have this data. Is this interesting to you? Mm-hmm. We have a sourcing effort to go out and find things ourselves we have the, now we have the Vista partnerships, so, so other portfolio companies that we're, we're talking to on a regular basis about their data assets. And so, yeah, it is a challenge too when you're thinking about a product to address a, a business decision, you yeah. know, to understand um, is, you know, does this, can this data, does it have the attributes to ultimately, you know, meet the criteria that, that are important to me? and help make me smarter in this and inform a decision, make me make that decision more accurately or faster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard. And and so, you know, the thing, one of the advantages that we have is I've got an entire company um, and a, a platform that's designed to ingest these things and test them and make, and make them useful. Um, an entire team that has tremendous expertise in doing that. You know, I think, um, you know, not every firm has that luxury. And so yeah. I think, you know, in some cases we have, you know, clients with, you know, maybe one or two resources that are dedicated to, to, you know, going out and sourcing data and testing it. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I think, you know, expectation setting is an important part. I think, you know, a few years ago we had uh, a rush of firms in the buy side, um, that, that made, Lots of investments and in some cases, you know, they they may have done that with the 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 idea that it's gonna solve a lot of their decision making problems and and I think the ones that have been successful and figured it out have have realized that like, you know, this it to have an appropriate set of expectations, this isn't going to solve all of your problems yeah. at the end yeah. of the day. And it's so not a panacea. Yeah, it's not a panacea. But look, it is it's important to and not just in terms of your like you know, point pointing this helped me make that decision, but also thinking about it in the context of you know rearchitecting how our firm makes decisions more broadly, yeah. increasing operational efficiency. Again, thinking about that broader set of use cases, you know, ultimately I think expectations management. I think you know, uh, organizing your team and your resources in a way that sets up for success, yeah. um, you know, um, I think some of the more sophisticated firms have figured out some mix of data science with, with engineering and and uh, complementing that with a business perspective has been effective as opposed to one or the other. Um, so th- those are a few things that we've seen that have resulted in kind of more than, than less success. And, and I think, look, I think you're seeing an industry that's evolving their thinking here. Sure. And really, invo- evolving the level of sophistication with respect to how they're sourcing, how they're spending, how they're testing, how they're using these things within their decision-making processes. I think long-term, it's we're in a better state today certainly than we were, you know, two or three years ago. And for
0: seven part for you guys and what you're doing when you're looking at data sets to potentially bring into um, your offering. What are the red flags you're looking for? Where do you where do you kind of see the error? That, you know, I, I'm sure you've gone through this a lot of just bringing on new data sets. Where have you said no, no, no? We, we're not going to use this because this isn't quite what you're selling. Because right now the marketing in this space is certainly yeah. exceeding some of the actual delivery.
1: Yeah. So look, you've seen a rush of vendors in the last you know two to three years. I think in part because. Um, you know they realize that there's the you know people realize there's an opportunity there. It's a growth area, and for for in a space you know serving in investment research and market research use cases where, you know the the growth was kind of flat or or in in decline in many cases. Um, look, so I think that's natural. I think look ultimately, you've had and and you have that coupled with um, the data fragmentation. You know the world is. Increasingly generated significant amounts of data just by the nature of its, sure. you know, it's it's more connected, and so those two things, you've got the the awareness and the increase in demand, you've got this rapid fragmentation of supply, you've seen this rush of vendors in the space, you know, it's more challenging today than it was three years ago for a new data set to quote unquote break through, mm-hmm. and what you're seeing is like a rapid multi, ones that do a rapid multiplication of of those data sets in the marketplace. And so, you know, I, I, um, I have this chart in a presentation that I've done which looks kind of category by category looking at card data, app data, other other types of data sources and just seeing the really exponential volume of vendors in the space. After kind of zero, one, two, three years. Yeah. And so, you know, what that, and, and you're seeing that not just within a category, but across all categories. And so, you know, the impact of that is it's complex, right? Ultimately, um, you've got, you know, the, the power law dynamics, you're seeing one or two kind of winners within a category. And really a longer tail where it's really challenging. And mm-hmm. I think that's it's part of why you've seen some the emergence of, you know, some of these data marketplaces. You've seen the emergence of, you know, other kinds of um, folks that are just looking to connect. You know, I think those have been successful for those companies. I think they've been successful for the winners of from a data set perspective, but it's been a more challenging environment for new data sets. And you know, that 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 presents a challenging dynamic for for data consumers as well, because because it gives this perception that like, oh, there's so much data out there. Yeah. And, you know, what we look for is a number of things. Um, you know, first is really data rights and privacy. And so the extent to which we need to be able to explicitly confirm that Whoever wants to license yeah. this data, that they've got the appropriate rights to it. It's and collected. You gotta be
0: able and, to articulate that to customers and everything. It, correct. It's vital.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and f- that's that's a one or a zero for yeah. us. And and the privacy piece is is another critical component. And you know if we can't, th- that tends to be we're doing that before we're even seeing data, generally speaking. And so you know from there we're getting into a testing process, even just things looking at attributes. How much history do have here? You know how big is it? Um, how is it collected? What are the kinds of things? There? And we're starting to formulate a view of like, where could this be useful? Where does this fit within our broader product portfolio? How unique is it? Yeah. And you know I think ultimately we're starting to whittle that down. And oftentimes we can do that even with one or two phone calls before we've even seen anything more than a data dictionary. Yeah. And then you know once, in, and again, I think that filtering process, we're going to filter out more than half of the vendors that, that we talk to um, for a variety of reasons. And then, you know, the ones that do, then we're getting into more, you know, we're dedicating resources. We're exchanging data. We're, we're, our data science team is, you know, we're, we're doing testing, we're validating ex- against external data. Uh, and then we can, you know, I think again, assuming success, we can start to, you know, to communicate that with our, our kind of more, um, you know, our, our, our closer clients that have an interest in learning about data, you know, sooner than when it's fully productized. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually launched a tool uh, a few weeks ago called Discover, it's our own, it's our own kind of version of the data marketplace. We think it's really complementary to some of the others that are in the space. Um, in part, uh, you know, I think the real value for us is all the enrichment that's being done before, you know, we're not just throwing raw data, you know, into a, into a marketplace and making it available. We're doing all the work necessary to structure it, to cleanse it to enrich it with other data, um, to validate it where needed. And ultimately, we're reducing a lot of friction for our clients that ultimately they just want clean, structured data that's ready for them to test. Yeah. Um, and so the extent to which we can be successful in helping them reduce that friction on their side, you know, we think it's just another reason why they should be working with Seven Park. You know, what's really different about the, the you know, our, our, our marketplace is, you know, having access to... You know some of these partnerships via the the you know, our vista relationship um you know you're gonna see you know there's there's access to data that you know hasn't hasn't been in the market before and i think that's a really unique value proposition for for seven partner clients as well
0: okay and you know one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on was because again as i alluded to before when we spoke previously you, you certainly saw what was happening in the alternative data space and this era of consolidation that we seem to be kind of heading into, um, obviously your acquisition, you have um, uh, Quandl and NASDAQ was a big one, uh, State streets aggressively you know expanding into this area. There's going to be room for many, many players. There's no doubt about that, but from kind of just a field of players' perspective, looking ahead about a year, two years, what do you kind of see as far as areas where there will be more consolidation and where there are areas where you think that are ripe for growth?
1: Sure. So, yeah, I think it's a good question. I think you know a few things. <clears throat> you know, the the consolidation opportunity, I think again go back to that data, that data fragmentation and and so there's a there's a wealth of vendors there there's a there's that are new to the space Um, some companies that have you know there's been a some some acquisition activity you've seen some you know some investors come in and you know growth equity investors and other other types of venture and private equity investors investors so I think it's a really interesting time for the space I think it's great to to be to be part of it's exciting Um, you know I think you know look how does that play out I think I think you know there's likely too many folks focused on the on the data opportunity and i think you know our view of how the market evolves is you know that fragmentation and that that what i'd call in some cases oversupply the challenge is moving within the stack to the to really more the the analytics and the modeling mm-hmm. and i think what you're seeing is the emergence of you know kind of a new cohort of folks Focused on that, those opportunities of, of which were one that you know to me, those are the real big challenges, and I think those are big opportunities, and you know those are ones that I think if if you if you ask the S and P's or the fact sets or the refinitives of the world, those are those are ones that those folks will also be be focused on. So I think it, I think it's interesting to see how all these things are converging, and you know look longer term, you know I think. We see, you know, kind of non-traditional data sitting along as a new category sitting alongside, you know, company and fundamental data sitting alongside, you know, pricing data and other things. And, um, you know, whether that's two or three or five years out, I think time will tell. Um, But, yeah, look, you're going to see a natural, um, you know, consolidation. I think, you know, uh, how that'll be, you know, look, depending on how the economy does, I think that'll be interesting to see you know what you know if there is some type of a of a of a downturn in the in the you know coming quarters like how that impacts whether that accelerates that trend or uh, or not i think it'll be interesting to see you know for us the um, you know look we're we've got a great partnership with vista we've got a vision we're trying to, to execute we're tri- you know really well capitalized. And we have a great partner with tremendous resources, and so you know we feel like we're in a really good position to um, to continue to you know, in a, and in some cases in a in a um, you know strategic way, yeah. whether we're going out and, and you know acquiring other folks ourselves or investing in new business lines, you know we think it's a it's a it's a compelling you know uh, opportunity for us in the next kind of one, three, five years to really realize. Uh, a, a really big vision for the business as the market opportunity evolves.
0: Do you, uh, So obviously, you know, if you guys are successful, you'll be around for a while. Um, or there'll be acquisitions, but you'll still be involved in the, in, in the space. One thing that we see, like, in the blockchain space, there's a lot of disillusionment, a lot of people put a lot of money into this, a lot of effort, and it's not reaping the rewards. Yeah. Is there a concern in the alternative data space that, there's a lot of effort being put in, a lot of you know money being put in, but that the rewards aren't there. I think it's different because people do know that there is value in alternative data, there's sure. in these other things that aren't traditional market data, in traditional reference data. But how do you think? My question to you is this: There's overselling in the market about what this data can do. Um, the, the 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 companies in the space are very very aggressive in their marketing and what it can do. What do you think needs to happen in this space as far as just how people are talking to the industry? So not talking about you guys, yeah, sure. talking about the industry at yeah. large, about setting up realistic expectations and not saying, yeah, sign us and we're going to tenfold will increase your ROI. You know? Yeah,
1: look, I think you're you're going to see, I, I think some of that is the nature of what happens when, you know, a space starts to, to take off and and, and, you know, there's, I think your point is like, there, is, this is, this is more than just noise, yeah. right? You know, in, in many cases, the look, when we started the business, I think, you know, put simply, you know, investment research is a, it's a six, $7 billion market. We just thought that the kinds of products we could build would address similar kinds of use cases of that within that market, just in a better way. mm mm-hmm. And so, and you know, you think about the market research opportunity, market research is it's five X the size of investment research, five or six. And so there's really compelling market opportunity to to really apply this approach, not just within financial services, but within many other other industries. And Mm -hmm. so without question, there's you're going to see companies in the space continue to grow. You're going to see some have success, you're going to see successful exits, you know, not just some of the ones you've referenced, but, but more in the future. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, the rush of vendors that now exist in the space, all of them are going to have that outcome. And I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about consolidation. But look, I think there's, you've seen a maturation of, of the space, I think you're going to continue to see it. I think the emergence of some of the you know, financial data and financial technology companies, the exchanges, the sell, the banks. I think those are good things. Um, I think they're, you know, I think the sophistication from investment firms. These are good things, and I think ultimately you're having, you've got an industry that's, you know, continuing to evolve in a in a compelling way. I think you're going to have winners. You're going to have some folks that don't succeed. Of course. I think that's okay. I think that that's kind of yeah. I think it's it's just naturally how it's going to evolve, yeah. and you know ultimately I do think that look we feel good about the partner that we have in Vista. Um, you know I th- I'm sure Quantl feels feels great about having a partner like Nasdaq. I think I do think that you know um, tying yourself to someone that's got a fantastic data source, tying yourself to someone that has you know, a really compelling corporate, you know, someone like an S&P, someone like Faxet, uh, like a Refinitiv, one of the banks, I think enabling you to continue to execute and build for where the market is going, I think those are those are advantages, uh, real advantages to have. And, you know, I think you're going to see more of that.
0: Okay. And then just to finish things off, one thing I always love to ask uh, for listeners that maybe, in the back of their head, they think, oh, I have a good idea to sure. start a company and something sure. like that. Um, walk us through a little bit about what led you, uh, and forgive me for not, I, I, I can't remember, your co founder, uh, Alex. Alex. Alex, sorry, I, I, I apologize. That's all right. Um, what kind of led you to the idea and to kind of take yes. that jump? Yes. What are some of the lessons that you learned along the way that sure. maybe if it, going back, you'd be like, you know what? keep this in mind going forward. This is a good piece of advice I have for you. Here. Yeah.
1: So, uh, first, um, probably a little bit of naivete and, uh, and several cocktails, I think ultimately <laughs> is what, uh, is what, always how it starts. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, like, like any, uh, great story, I guess. Um, but yeah, look, I think, I think we felt like we knew that there was an opportunity, We felt like there's an opportunity for an unmet need for the kinds of products that we envision building. And ultimately, I think it was, you know, in some respects, it was that simple. We said, look, there's demand here. We thought there's, you know, I came from MasterCard. It's where I spent two years prior to starting 7 Park. You know, I helped MasterCard take their their core data assets and start to build products and deliver insight from them. I expected there was gonna be more of the, more companies like MasterCard that were going to wanna to commercialize their data. Now, I, I you know, um, I'm not sure that I, like this has been material, it's it's materially bigger than I think. When did you guys start, sorry? 2012. Yeah. So, but yeah, look, I think you start, you start thinking about this, you know, 2011. Yeah. And, um and you know, then we just spent the first nine months really laying the groundwork, you know, getting, um. Getting the company up and running, you know, coming up with a name, starting to hire folks, you know, all the stuff you got to do. You know, look, Seven it's, Park,
0: the original address, or
1: Seven Park is uh, is a London address, actually, yeah. of the establishment uh, where Alex and I kind of hashed the plan over, uh, as I said, uh, sev- several cocktails. Awesome. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I say this all the time. I've named three kids and uh, one company. And naming the like one company was significantly harder than uh, than than naming any of my three kids. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure why, but but it uh, definitely was. But uh, yeah, picking a name is hard. That's that's uh, one of the the first thing, first pieces of advice. But yeah, ultimately, look, uh, starting a company is hard. Um, it's you know I'm not sure people. You're signing up for. You gotta really you gotta want it, and you're signing up for you know, uh, a, a period of time, and it's an undetermined period of time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. you know, look, I think we we spent six years to six and a half years to an exit. Um, and, you know, we were excite, as excited today as we were six and a half years ago to realize the, you know, the, to continue to grow the company and realize the future vision and potentially have, you know, another exit in the future. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but but that's the kind of mentality that you have to bring to the table, and and you know, um, look, we're fortunate to have incredibly smart people that were willing to join up with us along the way, and incredible investors, and frankly a really supportive, you know, client base that's you know supported the company before we're even really a company, for all intents and purposes, and you know that's that's all the business stuff, and. Then you got the home stuff, you know. I think Alex and I, neither one of us had uh, had wives or kids when we started the business. You know, we we have uh, two wives and five kids now between yeah. the two of us. <laughs> and so, you know, those are look. I think um, you gotta you gotta really want and you gotta really be interested and you gotta love going to work every day. And and you know, more than anything, that's it's a it's people and so much of. Starting the company and and real and getting the company to what it is today yeah. is because of the, the incredibly talented and frankly just great folks that have agreed to that bought into the vision and said hey I want to help build this with you and and so you know that's that's the best part about you know the most rewarding part about you know the outcome that we had it's a, it's the best part about. You know, and the thing that I get most excited about in terms of the future of Seven Park is really uh, because of the folks we have in the team.
0: Do you feel that you benefited from the fact that you came into the market before alternative data became this buzzword that now everybody uses? Do you think that was a benefit kind of starting up then? Or do you think that firms now that are starting up now have a little bit more of an edge than you had because at least you walk in with alternative data. I have a sales pitch already just with the buzzword. Is there kind of a compare contrast yeah, between that?
1: it's um, a good question. I would say I think we are I think we were advantaged by being in this space before, you know, when we were before this became a, a, a thing. Yeah. And I say that because um, you know, just the look, folks coming in today. You're immediately, you know, um, you know, compared against a, a peer group of folks. Sure. You know, look, not that like not that not that Seven Park in 2013 you know, 13 wasn't. You know, com- like we're competing with dollars against really large incumbents, and you know, the banks were, you know, the sell sides been challenged, been under pressure, but you know, not to the extent that they are today. And, you know, there's, look, we're out evangelizing. Um, I'm not going to say it was easy then. I'm sure it's not easy now. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a tie. I'm not sure of uh, exactly the right answer. It's, a, it's an interesting question, though.
0: All right. Well, uh, Brian, thanks so much. We appreciate yeah. your insights. Um, look forward to seeing what you guys have coming out uh, in the future post uh, the acquisition.
1: Yeah, Anthony, really appreciate it. This was great. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, interesting conversation. Thanks again. Cheers. All right.